The following episode contains infrequent use of mild to moderate language. Listener discretion is advised. Truth and Fire, the podcast, is brought to you by truthandfire.com, where we explore faith and pop culture from a witty Christian perspective. Welcome to another installment of Truth and Fire, the podcast, which picks up where Truth and Fire, the blog, leaves off. I'm your host, Ferite Ife, and you can find me at V-E-R-I-T-E-E-T-F-E-U on all social media platforms. On today's episode, we're discussing Tom Buck's Jezebel tweet and when or if it's ever necessary to use that term. All of this and more when we return. which simply means truth and fire on Francais. So guys, we have a new president um, in uh, Joseph R. Biden um, Jr. I was about to say Joseph Harris. Nope, <laughs> no shade, but I literally was about to say that, namely because I've been referring to the presidency as Biden-Harris. Um, I really feel that... Um, uh, Vice President Harris will have a lot more say and input into um, the presidential role than um, previous vice presidents have. So um, I think it's appropriate to refer to their their administration as a Biden-Harris um, administration. Um, well, I know that's normally the, the case, but definitely a, a Biden-Harris presidency because she's going to have a lot more a lot more input. Um, what I think is so interesting is that right before the um, inauguration, I had the blessed opportunity to do a White House tour, and I also got a chance to tour um, the executive office building and toured Mike Pence's office. And um, during those tours, I was able to glean that not all vice presidents um, have uh, a lot of vice presidents actually don't have a lot of say um, in what the president does. They don't. They're not even informed um, of what the president does. It's probably if if they are at the like the the eleventh hour. I thought that was a very interesting. Um, fact to learn um, because I would have thought that they knew everything that the president knew, but apparently not. And maybe that's for security purposes. But um, I learned that the president is who decides how much input the VP gets to have. And giving the commentary, the rhetoric that um, President Biden has been sharing um, over the last few months, um, it seems like he would be more inclined to give um, VP Harris a lot more say than um, maybe other presidents have. So with that said, um, let's talk about this presidency. Um, I recently did a post, um, as I shared with you guys in the last episode, I had writer's block, but after the inauguration, that writer's block went away, okay? Um, maybe I had some things to say, had some things on my mind. Um, and so I did a post called um, God Trump's Man, Why Biden Harris... Um, are perfect for the church. So I call I named it this, and I know this is gonna be weird, but I named it this this top this title because it's pretty much a follow up on God Trump's man why um, 
Donald Trump is perfect for America. And in that particular piece, which I wrote back in November of 2016, um, in that particular piece, I was detailing um, some things that I saw was kind of discerning, uh, discerning concerning um, former President Trump's uh, administration or his presidency. Um, just looking at, you know, I did not vote for him in 2016. I didn't vote for Hillary either. Um, yes, I was one of those people who did a write-in. I wrote in Jesus because <laughs> I was like, Lord. Um, over the years, I have to be honest, I came to really love um, former President Trump as a as a president. I think he is by far um, the best president of my lifetime. I know that sounds interesting considering that I'm black and I'm supposed to say Obama was the best. But as I began to grow in my faith during the, um, the during the Obama presidency, namely his second term and especially how he turned, um, he, he did a bait and switch in his second term, um, I began to realize he was not all that he was cracked up to be. So I would not say that he was the best president. He was probably the least um, uh, problematic in terms of his rhetoric, uh, at least in terms of it being bombastic. Now he could, he was saying things that were problematic, but were said in an articulate and, um, well thought out way. So for the undiscerning individual, myself at the time, it would be easy to feel like he was not a problem, but, um, Though um, Trump was pretty bombastic in his in his um, his commentary um, in his rhetoric, the man was a good president. He was a good president, and it really required you to um, to to exercise discernment, to really listen to what he was saying, to sincerely look at situations for what they were, um, and see where he was coming from, um, to be able to support where he was at. Um, so there's that. But at the time that I wrote, um, God Trump's man, uh, why president Trump, well, why Donald Trump is perfect for America. I was basically detailing how spiritually Donald Trump represented America in a lot of ways. Um, he's a professing, he, you know, he's a professing Christian, but you know, he doesn't necessarily do Christiany things all the time, but at the same time, when he came, when he comes through, he comes through, or when he came through, he came through. Um, he, you know, was wealthy or is wealthy. Um, all of those things, I was kind of making those spiritual comparisons and just looking at what he would need to, to be a really good president, which is to lean on the Lord, trust the wisdom of the Lord and not trust in himself. And if he led, um, with himself at the helm, um, and, 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 you know, namely from his own wisdom, he would find himself being humbled. And we do see him being humbled a bit. I don't know if he sees it that way, but he is being humbled in the, in the sense that he is the first and only U.S. president to be impeached twice. He is also the first president ever in his, American history to be, um, uh, well, they're attempting to formally, um, rem I don't know how that works, to impeach him post his presidency. Um, and we all know that that's because of their... Um, blaming him for the Capitol, uh, the Capitol building, um, riots or insurrection as they're calling it. I don't see it as an insurrection because, um, insurrectionists don't go home when they are required to go home. Um, they don't go home when there's a curfew put in place. So, <laughs> um, but there, things certainly did get out of hand. I don't condone them. I don't agree with them. They definitely got out of hand, but we all know that, um, Trump and no one else incited, 
um, at least in leadership, no one incited those people to go into the Capitol to break windows, to kidnap politicians or anything of that nature. Um, at least, of course, we know that um, Trump did not do that. He called for a peaceful protest, which people had a right to do and people have a right to do as Americans. So um, the, they're just finding another way to demonize this man. But anyway, so my point in all of that is I wrote a follow-up piece, God Trump's man, why Biden-Harris are perfect for the church. And so I know it sounds counterintuitive because we all know what their policies are about. We all know what they stand for. Um, but I want to, I want us as believers to really try to see things, um, how they might work out for our good and how the Lord might be using them for our good. Um, and so in the piece, I just pretty much detail some um, blessed ways that the Lord would allow the church to be sanctified um, through the Biden-Harris administration. We know that this administration is not going to be friendly to biblical Christianity. Um, but what does that mean for us? Does that mean that we rebel, revolt? Um, no, it does not mean that at all, at least not in the in the earthly sense or, or the uh, Black Lives Matter sense of the, of the term. We would be um, civilly uh, uh, respectfully disobedient, if you will. If they say don't share the gospel, we would still share the gospel, <laughs> you know. Um, but we wouldn't, um, for things that don't require us to go against God and go against the, the commandments of God, we wouldn't just rebel just because we don't like them or because we find them to be wicked. If there's one good thing that they ask us to do, um, we should do it, even if it is coming from them as a as, as wicked or you know pagans or whatever you want to you know, identify them as. But my point is let's not be, um, problematic just for the sake of being problematic. And I don't think that's going to actually happen from sincere Christians, but for those who are on the cusp and who are dealing with the, um, or and when I say cusp, I mean like maybe new believers or those who are, um, truly struggling in this area. Um, but you are sincere in your heart in, as a believer, like, like Paul says in Romans seven, like, you know, I, my spirit wants to do one thing, but my flesh wants to do another thing, and they're at war. So if you're having a war right now internally with this with this um, administration, I'm hoping that this piece will bring you to the side of walking in the spirit and just understanding that even though things are not going to be pretty, I will not sugarcoat it, things won't likely be pretty for us um, under this administration, but we will find various ways. The Lord will deliver us. The Lord will give us various ways to grow and ways to get the gospel out and to glorify him during all this. So if we would be patient, um, and walk in the spirit um, and, and lean on the Lord, we should be fine. So check out that piece when you get a moment. Um, and uh, yeah, so yeah, check out the piece when you get a moment and I pray that you are edified. Okay, so um, let's transition now to talk about the tweet by Tom Buck. Um, for those of you who are unaware of who he is, he is the senior pastor at the First Baptist Church of Lindale, Texas. Um, that church is a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, the SBC. Um, and Tom also does some writing over at Founders Ministries. He's involved with Founders Ministries. So he's very well known and respected, namely in reform circles. Um, I'm still myself learning a lot about the different heavy hitters in reformdom. But um, because, again, I fall into reformed circles, but I myself don't call myself reformed. But I fall into those circles because I believe what they believe. But what I believe is biblical Christianity. And if, but the name that has been given to it is re reformed theology. So just to make it fancy. Um, but, yeah, I just simply believe in biblical Christianity. <laughs> so I try to leave the labels off of 
off of it because I don't want to get caught up by names and and personalities that when the truth needs to be told or when the truth um, is or isn't told, I'm not swayed by what um, the individual may have said or didn't say. I just go by what God's word says. So that's where I'm at with that. But anyway, um, so Mr. Buck, Tom Buck is um, pretty well known, highly respected um, in reformdom. And um, I actually did see his tweet. I saw the original tweet, but um, I've not done my due diligence to actually look for it so I cannot find it but what I did find is his tweet um his doubling down on the um original message so he uh tweeted this out on January 24th where he says I fully stand by the point of my original tweet and in quotations he says should Jezebel who governed in godless ways have been a role model simply because she was a woman in power if not why should Kamala who's governed in godless ways be a role model just because she's a woman in power and when I read the original tweet, I actually fully, be- not believe, fully agreed <laughs> with what he had to say. I really did. Um, I didn't see anything wrong with his making the comparison that he did. I think the, the comparison was appropriate. He was asking a simple question and um, it's very relevant. He's speaking to professing Christians who are fawning over the fact that she is the, we understand what the world is going to do. We know the world, the world's going to world, right? The world is going to be the world. But when there are professing believers out there going the way of the world and fawning over this individual because she's the first woman or the first black woman or the first woman in color um and in the office of the vice presidency it is a little disingenuous um for us as believers to be celebrating that considering that this woman does not represent anything that we stand for biblically so if you as a Christian would celebrate this, it leads one to reason that you might be a little bit lukewarm or you might be undiscerning. But in either case, that's the point that he was making concerning um, those who celebrate her because she's a woman in power or a black woman in power or well, he said a woman in power. So let me be true to what he said um, as a woman in power. Um, and his original tweet, I recall reading something to the effect of um, he doesn't believe that women in Israel back during the time that Jezebel and Ahab, where Ahab was ruling that um, with Jezebel marrying him and becoming queen, that Israelite women would have been celebrating because we have a, a you know, a, a, a powerful woman now, you know, out there. I don't think they would have been celebrating that because of what she represented. So that should be the same thing for us. And as a black woman, I have not once gotten excited about the fact that um, Kamala is our vice president. I personally don't find her office to be, I don't want to say it's not legitimate because um, Joe Biden um, was for all intents and purposes, for all reports that are out there, was duly elected as president and she was his running mate. And so therefore her office is legitimate as well. Um, But one thing I am having a problem with is that she ran for president and got like no support to the point where she had to um, cancel her bid. So she was not popular. And, And the very black people who are now running around celebrating her as the first black female vice president are the very people who had a problem with her during her presidential campaign. So I don't see it's more, it's like more, it's just so disingenuous to me. So I can't really rock with it. Not only does she not represent anything that, um, I stand for, but her, 
her rise to this position just seems so inorganic to me that I can't I can't really rock with it. But with that said, I do understand what Pastor Buck was um, getting at, what the point that he was making. The issue, though, that came from his statements is that it gave birth to a whole new conversation that I have to admit that I did not like seeing um, uh, take place on Twitter. Um, I There were many a times where I wrote responses to people and was ready to go all in, and then I realized, you know what, it's probably best that I stay quiet because I'm probably going to say the wrong thing, or what I actually say will be t- taken the wrong way, so I'm just going to be quiet and I'll just share my thoughts here on the podcast. Um, And so my issue with the conversation that ensued after his comments were centers around the fact that people began to kind of defend calling a woman a Jezebel um, and being just so matter of fact about it. And hear me out. This is what what here's where I'm coming from with it. Um, my, My initial issue with the conversation was, I didn't see anybody jumping up, nor do I see anyone jumping up and down to publicly call women like Beth Moore or um, or Paula White, who was um, a spiritual advisor to President Trump. I did not, or former President Trump, I didn't see anyone jumping up and down at the chance to call, to publicly call these women Jezebels. And if anything, they better fit the description, in my opinion, um, not that um, VP Harris um, doesn't rule in godless ways, but what I mean is, we know that. Duh, <laughs> she's, she's an unbeliever, she's pagan, you know, we know that. But you had a a woman like Jezebel who was married to an Israelite, unlike, you know, um, Ruth, for example, who married Boaz and, you know, his God became her God. And, you know, just well, she told that to Naomi, but, you know, his God being her God and his people being his people, um, you know, Jezebel was was influencing Ahab to go after other gods. Um, So we do know that she's also she was also an unbeliever. But my point is. If anything, I'm looking at the, the the Beth Moores and the Paula Whites out there who are professing to be, who are in positions to be counted amongst us as sisters, as fellow believers. And for all intents and purposes, as far as the world knows, they are believers. And so they're out there spreading seeds of discord and division and confusion by false gospels and false doctrines that they're preaching. So I just feel like we should be just as gung-ho about calling them Jezebels um, as as we are um, VP Harris. Now, what I'm, and I know that Beth Moore and I know that, um, uh, what's her name? I know that Beth Moore and uh, uh, I just said her name, uh, Paula White, weren't in leadership. But what I mean is how the way that the church throws out the the, the term Jezebel and basically meaning a godless woman or a woman who um, is 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 immoral. I would just think that it would it would be natural for that that title to be lent to the Beth Moores and the Paula Whites, you know, is all I'm saying. But if not, that's fine. That's fine if people don't see it that way. But that's just something I was thinking about. Um, but yeah, the shoe fits for the analogy that he was he was making. But now the conversation is about whether or not we should call women a Jezebel. So here's why I have a problem with it. I hope I've been articulate up to this point. Um, I don't necessarily think that the term is necessary when I look at the the name Jezebel in scripture it is referring to a woman 
um, who actually lived during the times of the Old Testament. And um, that's her name. Now, we again, you can make the par- parallels because I know, I don't know, people say the Peter spirit when Peter was chopping off ears, or um, the uh, trying to think of uh, Jeremiah. So, like, I get it, um, but is it really necessary to call a woman a Jezebel knowing the cultural connotation behind the term? So, um, let's see, outside of. Um, the old testament when we see um hold on let me make sure i have the correct verse here for revelation i think it is yeah so outside of the old testament reference to to the actual person we see jezebel reference in revelation 2 uh verse 20 um and in that particular verse it says but i have this against you that you tolerate that woman jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols so again i feel like if you're going to use the spiritual like the jezebel spirit aspect of the word of the or of the name then it would probably probably be more aptly um applied to women like the Beth Moores and the Paula Whites. Again, if you don't see it that way, cool. But just looking at how it's used in scripture from a spiritual standpoint outside of the actual person, which is I think that's the only other time in in the Bible that Jezebel comes up is in Revelation 2.20. But it's talking about a woman who's calling herself a prophetess and she, Paula White is a false prophetess. We know that. She even prophesied that uh, former President Trump would have a second term and was saying that she was told by angels from Africa that this would be so like the ladies lo- loony tunes right but no one was jumping at the chance to call her Jezebel um, and so what happens now is though I am not someone to identify um, as a black person when I'm in, in terms of my full identity. Now I am a black woman. I am fine being a black woman. I have no issues with being black, all that good stuff. Right. But my identity rests in my identity in Christ, right? Cause there's neither Jew nor Greek slave nor free, all of that for we are one. So I want to remain unified through the spirit and the bond of peace. Um, as a Christian woman, as a follower of Christ. Um, but being a black woman or being a black person I'm around black people a lot (laughs) I grew up in a black household so I understand the mindset not that I agree with it but I do understand the mindset that black people have concerning certain things and so if you as a Christian are trying to prove to the world that you're not racist now again you don't owe like i said before no white person out there owes me anything but the love that the lord commanded them to show me right um but if it is your job via the great commission to go into the world to preach the gospel to every creature and make disciples but you are make, spending your days on twitter defending the right to call someone a jezebel that is a little bothersome because it's like is it really necessary i get it i get where people are coming from if the shoe fits cool but is it necessary again there's there's one thing to make an analogy because he's talking about this woman ruled one way and and um vp harris in as a um uh in her role in california she ruled another uh ruled in a similar way 
But if anything, when I'm looking at the spirit of Jezebel in scripture, this term better applies to the false prophetesses. I hope I'm saying that right. The false teacher, female, false female teachers in the church. So we should be more inclined to throw that out there. And it just so happens that, I mean, this also applies to Sarah Jakes Roberts. Don't get it twisted. But this also applies to the Beth Moores and the Paula Whites. And no one said anything about them. So as a black person, I can see how someone would come in and see that as racist because we have a term that's being thrown around and being defended to be used towards a black woman when the term, um, not necessarily the term Jezebel has been a racial slur. I've seen people say that. I've never known that to be the case, but I do know Jezebel to be a stereotype or archetype of black women throughout media, throughout history as being, we are, we are loose. We are whores. We are, the way our bodies are shaped makes us more, uh, makes us hypersexual. Um, and so when you're going back through the historical aspects of it, when, um, women were, were raped during slavery and how they were tossed to the side as, 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 as trash, as, as being, uh, disgusting and all of that, th those things kind of come up for people. And so that's when someone is trying to explain why calling a black woman, a Jezebel can get a little murky. Um, I just think that people should kind of listen to that. I get it. Yes. I get that, that, that it is a biblical term, but if we really look at how it's being used biblically, it's either by uh, for the person who's actually named Jezebel or the spirit of Jezebel, who is a false prophetess, right? Who claims to be a prophetess, but she's leading God's people into sin. VP Harris, as much as I disagree with her, everything <laughs> as much as I disagree with her policies um I've known her to be a liar she's come out I mean we've talked about this through um just in in general just looking at the stories that she shared the lady just <laughs> she just lies like <laughs> but she's not pro proclaiming to be a woman of God Th does that excuse her lying no God God's law is what it is but what I'm saying is as a Christian, I'm going to be less inclined, inclined to throw that word at her than I would be someone who's actually in the church claiming to be, um, a person of God. Meanwhile, they're leading people in all manner of sin and, and deception. That's all I'm saying. Right. Also, because the SBC has come under so much fire for racism, I, again, I agree with Tom Buck's analogy. However, and I don't even think it was unwise of him to make it. He honestly probably wasn't even aware of the 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 stereotype amongst black women or, or within the black community that what type what type of load that term carries. But he didn't call her, you know, to be fair, he didn't call her a Jezebel. He was making a comparison between her her leadership and and another and a woman who represents something like this. Would you celebrate it? No, right? Um, but when there is a, the resulting conversation where people were defending, well, if the shoe fit on oh, the Jezebel's a Jezebel. And I'm just like, golly, y'all, like, stop. And I know, you know, Pastor Buck was trying to defend himself with, you know, he found, I guess, 
learned about Jezebel magazine. He goes, oh, look at that. There's a liberal. I never knew there was a liberal magazine called Jezebel called that calls itself Jezebel. So for it to be a racial slur again, I, I've never known it to be a racial slur. And I so I disagree with that statement. Doesn't mean that it hasn't been used that way. I don't see where how it could be used as a racial slur. But the archetype, the stereotype of the black woman being a loose woman and the cultural connotation of the term Jezebel being used to um, refer to a sexually immoral woman is where all the heat comes from. And so we have the SBC already under fire. And then Pastor Buck makes the comments, innocently so, right? Or, 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 or naively so. Makes the, well, I mean, he's aware, but you know what I mean as far as what the cultural con- connotation carries. He makes the, he makes the statement he makes, um, people come to his defense and then the conversation takes on a different form into a different context. And so now you got Christians on there finding ways to defend calling someone a Jezebel. Yes, there is a magazine called that I do not. It's very feminist. <laughs> I, it's a feminist um, publication. I do not agree with anything they write about. Um, yes, there is a magazine called Jezebel. Um, does that still mean that it's wise for us to call someone? No, right? Because you have the N word by uh, being used by black people all the time. There's that claim of we're reclaiming the word and we're repurposing it to empower. So you probably, when you see Jezebel magazine and they're calling themselves Jezebel magazine, that's likely what they're doing. They're trying to reclaim a term that's been a slur racial or otherwise, um, to reclaim a term just like slut. Right. And, um, for, I need to do like a little, um, viewer discretion or listener discretion is advised at the beginning of this because I'm going to be using some strong language but you have the slut walk I think it's just there's there's one that just happened if not today in the last few days um, that I saw in California so um, you're going to have these types of terms that the world in their search for trying to um, not to get from under the 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 weight that these terms carry they'll try to repurpose them or whatnot so yeah you may see them use it does it still mean that it is necessary to use it? If you feel that it is, and it serves the purpose that God will have you use it for, amen, go off fam. But I don't know as a believer that I would feel comfortable with going around calling um, women sluts, even if they are behaving that way, <laughs> namely unbelieving women, I'm, namely unbelieving women, um, sluts, whores, um, Jezebels. I don't know that I would be comfortable doing that because as a woman, I do know how heavy those terms tend to be taken. And I know how crushing they could be unless I am sharing the gospel. The gospel is going to offend because the gospel offends, right? I don't want to be the person causing the offense. I think that's what I'm trying to get at. Um, and then there is an element, if I can do full disclosure, is that I have been called a Jezebel before. I've been called a Jezebel. I've never been called the N-word, but I have been called a Jezebel by a um, by a uh, a young man who professes. I don't really know where he stands, but I wasn't a converted believer at the time. Uh, so my discernment was trash, but I admired him so much because he was very much in the Bible. I think he was a little bit more legalistic than, than anything, but he was in the Bible and he was all about it. He didn't believe in going to church and anything like that, but I was stupid and I didn't know any better at the time, but I just thought he was so like, oh my gosh, he will be a great leader. And I had the biggest crush on him. Um, but I am a very vocal, um, individual. I know, trust me, I know when to be quiet. Um, uh, podcast and blog is where I speak everywhere else. I'm pretty, pretty chill. Um, 
But at the time, um, I was very vocal and he would challenge me a lot with that. And I didn't understand that. So we would get into these arguments and all that. And so he took our mutual friends aside, had a meeting um, to which I was not invited and had a conversation about me and told them that I had a Jezebel spirit. <laughs> and then one of the young ladies in the group came back to me and, and shared with me what he said and gave me and, and directed me to a website that gave me like the characteristics of a Jezebel spirit having woman and was telling me that you have to, you have a Jezebel, like, you know, like WebMD, like diagnosing me based on what's, <laughs> they're not going through scripture or anything. They're going through, <laughs> they're going through what, um, they're going through what someone says online. And so I've always had an issue with the term Jezebel spirit. I just think it's so like, bruh, unless she is a false prophetess <laughs> who is leading God's people um, into, into sexual immorality and eating food sacrificed to idols. And this is symbolic of uh, false worship and um, f uh, serving other gods and all that as well. If, if she's not doing that, just pull the young lady to the side and lovingly tell her sis you out of pocket you need to put some clothes on yes yeah, you might still be offended if she's hard-headed and hard-hearted but you know if if you must use these terms if you must go you're a whore if you have to say that please i don't know how effective you would be by trying to follow it up but the look just I think about how Jesus <laughs> spoke with the woman at the well and how he spoke with um, the woman who was being stoned in John 8. I think both were both in John 8. Am I wrong? I could be mixing up. John 4, John 4. So in John 4, the woman at the well and in John 8, um, I think those are the scriptures. I have to go back and look at them. Um, the, the chapters, I mean, that the stories are from. And so these women have def definitely had sorted past, sorted presence at the time that Christ was even talking to them. And even he did not call them whores. Even he did not call them Jezebels or sluts, right? And so if Jesus, who is the word and had every right to use the word, did not use such language to minister to these women, to call these women out on their sin and tell them to sin no more, then I don't understand why we feel the need. Is it to prove we're bold? I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just had a little problem with that. So knowing how that made me feel to have a young man that I really liked and really respected call me a Je say say that I had a Jezebel spirit, to that was, woo that that jacked me up. Um, the good thing though that came out of it is it did push me to get into reading God's word because I was like I've never known myself to be a Jezebel like I was so offended because the connotation behind it is a sexually immoral woman and I was celibate and I liked him because he was celibate and was trying to live for God and all of that and granted I wasn't converted but I was you know I was trying to do right as, as far as I knew a Christian should do and that really made me get into God's word to see what a Jezebel was because I never ever wanted anyone to be able to call me out of my name or call me or say something about me um, without knowing or tell me that I'm something or tell me something about scripture that I wasn't aware of myself so the good thing that came out of that is that it propelled me to start studying God's word which eventually led me to a women's discipleship ministry um, where I eventually heard the gospel and I got saved so praise the Lord but you know I don't have a relationship with that gentleman anymore. I don't even talk. I couldn't even stomach being around him anymore because I felt so unsafe. I felt like 
when he said that to me, it came from such a negative place. It, he didn't say it in a way like you, sis, you, he didn't even actually, he didn't even come to me. He had a conversation about me behind my back with other professing Christians and basically was telling them to stay away from me. And my whole thing is why not just come to me and deal with me discreetly like Jesus did and tell me and tell me what my sin is, whatever sin you feel like I'm in and walk me through scripture that I might get correction. But no, you have this little behind the scenes, you know, uh, meeting and then basically tell folks to stay away from me and, you know, watch out for me. And I just thought, come on. So I summarize all this to say, if using a certain term is necessary, go off. Um, I will trust that the Holy Spirit will guide you in what's necessary. I just know that I personally, though the word bastard is a biblical term and it sincerely does apply to um, individuals who are born out of wedlock, which applies to me. So I would technically be a bastard. I was not born um, in wedlock, but there's a lot of people who share that same that same, um, uh, I guess, situation. Right. Um, but even if it's technical, I don't know if it's necessary. All things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. You can call her a Jezebel. Um, I don't I don't necessarily think it'll be a sin to use that word per se, but if the spirit behind your calling her that was to cause her harm and you are not edifying her in the process or building her up towards the truth in the process. I don't see how you are being all things to all people while trying to win the more. So those are my thoughts on that. Again, I don't disagree with Tom Buck's analogy. I disagree with the conversation that was birthed from that tweet that caused people to staunchly defend calling a woman out of her name when there honestly is no biblical basis. Um, I don't want to say basis, but a biblical necessity to call a woman a Jezebel. Um, again, Buck's point was to make an analogy between one ruler and another but when you um because she definitely is was vb harris is definitely not ruling as a as a deborah but if it applied he would probably use her right but it doesn't jezebel is a better is a better uh reference but the conversation about calling a woman a jezebel and, and, and if the shoe fit and if you don't know how to call out sin and then the sin and then man miss me with all that because even as Nathan called out I saw people using Nathan and, and David even as Nathan called out David David being a murderer and a, an adulterer right even with that and and um got the woman pregnant right so even with all of that with God um with Nathan being a prophet calling out David he still did it in a very gracious way right um so anybody who got called out in the most staunchest of terms were people who were professing to be believers right it didn't seem like people who were unbelievers were called anything you know unnecessarily so sin was still revealed and this is not about compromising this is not about sugarcoating it's just about speaking the truth in love and speaking with those who oppose us with gentleness um that that they might repent right or in the event that, that god would repent so i repented um and that young man and i have no relationship to this day i i could not it's not that i don't forgive him but i don't even think he's a believer really because he's just not him he doesn't believe in going to church he doesn't believe in 
he's very legalistic so I don't I don't know if he's converted or not but I know that we don't have a relationship because I felt very unsafe around him and um, because I I had also shared with him my um, past of being molested as a child and how he used that against me when I did confront him about calling me uh, saying I had a Jezebel spirit and he was just basically saying I may still have the spirit because that may have gotten on me after I was molested. man I'm telling you it was real it was bad so I don't know I do have a personal um, opinion about it but having uh, but I also just looking at it biblically there is no ne- there's no necessity to use that term so with that being said if you as a believer, born born again believer, are sold out in your heart of hearts that it is necessary for you to call an unbelieving woman a Jezebel and that's just what you got to do, then you go off. But I, unless I feel convicted to do so, but I don't see the necessity for it. Um, and I believe that the Lord has given me another way to address um, an unbelieving uh, woman concerning her sexual immorality or her godless ways or wicked ways. Um, that's all I'm saying. Just knowing the cultural weight of the term, I would just be careful with it. That's all I'm saying. Now, with that said, I think this would be a good time to go ahead and uh, put a pin in it and in today's episode. So I'll, be, I'll begin closing it out. But um, yeah, I just think that, I don't know, there's a there's things I've said for sure in the past that I realize as, as I've grown and as I am growing in Christ, it may not be the most beneficial thing. Um, I'd like to take a moment to actually acknowledge a post that I wrote back in 2015, December 2015, when I was um, pretty much either a new convert or just getting becoming a, a convert into Christ. And so I wrote a post called Aisha Curry, the accidental threat to thoughts everywhere. Um, and I've always shared with people anytime um, I've talked about the history of my blog, though I started it in the summer of 2015, or I launched it in the summer of 2015. I always tell people to be um, careful about what anything they read um, from 2015, because that was around the time where I was just kind of getting into reading the Bible for myself. And then, um, by, but by early 2016, I know for sure I was converted. Um, so, but I keep my old posts up just to see growth, uh, to see where I was to where I, where I am now. And unless I'm saying something heretical, um, I, I keep those things up. So, um, in this particular post, I just kind of talk about a time where Aisha Curry was being dragged by all the Twitter, um, and feminists everywhere because of, um, some comments she made about women who uh, choose to dress a certain way and that did not win her any friends back then um, and um, but yeah I, I understood where she was coming from and so I wrote a post about it but I did use the term thoughts and so I might go back um, at some point and update that term um feminist I don't know I don't know maybe I will maybe I won't I don't know but for now that's what it is but it just goes to show that like you can grow so much in Christ I I would not use this term today um in in discussing um in discussing women um because I just I just I don't know I just think that my heart's a little bit more tender um as I begin to realize that sinners are who sinners are it doesn't make their sins correct doesn't mean that we should not call out sin but there's a way that we can address unbelievers or those outside of the church where we can um, still call them to repentance um, as I mentioned before the gospel is offensive 
okay? The gospel itself is offensive. We don't need to add anything to it. We don't need to pour salt in anyone's wombs. We are just to be salt, okay? Salt and light. So with that said, I am going to read the final word. I haven't done the final word in a while. So I'm going to go ahead and read the final word for this episode. It's going to come from Colossians um, 4, looking at verses 5 and 6. And it reads, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So with that said, I pray that we all apply this as we should. And I ask that God will continue to guide us in the ways of being gracious. I know that's something I have been praying for and people have been praying for for me. And so people, I think it's working. I think your prayers are being answered. Um, So I'm just going to ask God to continue to guide me in that area of my life and in my walk with him, Um, but not to compromise, not to sugarcoat the truth, but to find um, gracious ways to address um, an issue Um, where again, I can be all things to all people that I might win the more, not to be like all people, not to condone the sins of all people, but to win them to Christ. So with that said, thank you for listening. Truth and Fire, the podcast has been brought to you by truthandfire.com, where we explore faith and pop culture from a witty Christian perspective. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, let us know. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Veriteefu. That's V-E-R-I-T-E-E-T-F-E-U. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We hope you'll join us next time. Thanks for listening.